where is it safe for conservative voices to publish their ideas, their thoughts, their words on the intertubes? Where is it safe? There's been a lot of a lot of hubbub, a lot of shakeups going on over the last couple of days. So I wanted to talk about that for a little bit. This is the Lundu Journal of Conservative Nerdiness for for April 27th, year of our Lord 2023. Uh, you, I think everyone saw, you know, Tucker Carlson got got the can from Fox News uh, earlier in the week prior. Dan Bongino uh, got a got a similar axing, though he, I think he kind of parted ways semi sorta with Fox News. And so there's a lot of shakeups going on there. And we're also seeing a lot of conservative voices moving around between platforms. And not even necessarily conservative voices, just free-thinking voices, right? Uh, Glenn Greenwald is a, is a good example. Uh, a couple weeks back, Glenn had been publishing almost entirely to Substack and then putting his thoughts about his Substacks on Twitter. That was his, that was how he worked. Well, now as times go forward, Glenn has moved his video show predominantly over to Rumble and he is publishing and most of his written works now on locals instead of Substack. And that's kind of, it's kind of interesting. We're seeing a lot of, a lot of people in the, oh no, am I about to be canceled space? <laughs> conservatives, free thinkers, etc., um, that are nervous, right? They're nervous that they're going to have the rug pulled out from under their feet at any given moment. And whatever platform they're on will just, will just silence them, cancel them, get rid of them at, at a moment's notice, whether it's a, a cable news network a radio network or, or one of the many big video or, or podcasting or, or written word publishing sites. And so I've been talking to some of the the people that run these companies and run these sites to try and get a a good feel about what their plans are, what their hopes are in terms of content moderation and what sort of written works and video shows and podcasts they want to allow on any of their given platform. And I kind of kind of want to just talk about that for a minute because I I think there's just there's so much uncertainty about how safe it is to publish on any given platform. Like, for example, Twitter has long been a very unsafe place to publish. Right. I mean, I think it goes without saying if you're a conservative or right leaning voice on Twitter, you could have your Twitter account yanked away from you with you wouldn't even know why. And, and Twitter was so difficult to get a hold of a human being at and so untransparent about what they were doing, which it turns out was collaborating with the Biden administration in order to censor people. Yay. Um, but, but they were so difficult to work with on all of it. You may never even find out why you were banned or locked or shadow banned on Twitter. So to say Twitter has been a historically unsafe place to be a conservative, and by unsafe, I mean unsafe in that your content and subscribers can be pulled away from you at a moment's notice. Not unsafe as in someone might use your wrong pronoun so you feel unsafe, but like your data is not safe. That It makes sense to stay clear of it. But now here we are in the spring of 2023 and things are a little bit different. We have Twitter under, you know, its current leadership of Elon. 
Uh, they're kind of, they're still occasionally suspending accounts for dubious reasons, but certainly nowhere near as often. Uh, they're, they are going after accounts that, um, are like promoting pedophilia and things like that, which the old, the old owners of Twitter were not, which raises a lot of alarm bells about the old, the old leadership of Twitter. If you know what I'm saying, they're a little messed up. Um, and Twitter is expanding what sort of publishing options it has to match people like locals, Patreon, Substack, uh, and even to a certain extent, YouTube and some of the podcasting sites. They're offering things like, you know, long form audio and video subscriber features so people can pay to subscribe to you on Twitter to get the videos and the podcasts and even long form written works. Uh, it's not quite as full featured as, say, Locals or Substack or, or Patreon yet, but it's kind of going in that direction. All of which is to say that that Twitter becomes a very interesting platform for a conservative voice nowadays because it's got all these features and it has such a huge footprint of total audience size. But there's always that that alarm bell in the back of your head of, of what Twitter has always done in the past and the fact that Twitter still doesn't seem 100% trustable in that they will allow you to speak your mind freely. Certainly a thousand times better than it was. I mean, my, my, my personal Twitter account was deleted off of Twitter. I mean, they didn't, they locked my account and then I got a flurry. <laughs> they locked my account because I wrote a, a tweet suggesting that adults adult men should not expose their genitals to children. Right. That's all I, uh, it, there was, there was a, there was a bunch of hoopla going on around that sort of thing happening. And I was like, well, this, this shouldn't even be an issue. That's a crime. You can't do that. That's, that's a criminal act. I was, I got my account suspended. It was locked because I said that. And, and the old Twitter, the old Twitter mafia, uh, before Elon bought it, decided that that was hate speech, that I was, I was physically hurting someone else because I suggested that, uh, that that was a crime, which it is. And uh, immediately after that happened, I got this flurry of emails from Twitter letting me know that they basically found additional posts of mine on Twitter that also were violations of, of the Twitter terms of service. It was mostly along the same lines. It was like, you know, you can't, uh, you know, uh, pedophile, pedophiles are bad, basically is, is what the tweets that they were objecting to were. Anyway, they found enough of those tweets of mine that I had, you know, the one, two, three strikes. And then it hit a point where they just deleted my account. I got originally it was um, you have to delete this one tweet and then you can have your account back. And then it was, hold on, we found a whole bunch of tweets. You're suspended for, I don't know, it was 30 days, something like that. And then it was, hold on, we found more tweets. <laughs> your account's gone and they nuked it. Right. So historically and recent history, really, Twitter has been a very, very turbulent place and a place where it was not reasonable to assume that if you were a conservative voice or even just a voice that didn't like pedophiles, if you didn't like pedophiles, you were going to get your accounts canceled. 
Now, Twitter has changed a lot. A lot. I mean, I have to admit, it's changed a great deal. And now, I personally am hesitant beyond words to go into the Twitter world again because of my my past my past history with them. I mean, it was terrible. They did terrible. They were just awful people. The current ownership is different, though. So maybe maybe it's an okay place for a conservative voice to put themselves like what if Tucker Carlson or or whatnot decided I'm going to create a subscription thing on Twitter and uh, my my weekly or daily show video show will broadcast on Twitter and, and you can subscribe to it. Well, you know, maybe that makes sense. But there are other other sites going on right now. Rumble is getting a lot of attention. And I think rightly so, because Rumble and Locals, which is the same company, Rumble bought locals. Um, and they're the same company and they have a real firm free speech and conservative slant. So you can feel you can feel pretty gosh darn safe as a conservative voice, no matter really how hard right you go on both locals and rumble. They've done a pretty good job. They don't have a bad track record here and they've done a pretty good job. So you can feel fairly safe, but they don't have the huge footprint of say a Twitter or a YouTube or a Substack. Now Substack is interesting to me because Substack is, I publish my articles to Substack. And so I would very much like to think that Substack's going to continue to do really well, that they're going to continue to kind of uphold the ideas of free speech. And so I contacted Substack CEOs, some of their, some of their media people, and I even posted some stuff on Substack Notes, um, which is their kind of Twitter-ish site that they're building, kind of their social media around Substack, where I really asked them very direct pointed questions. If I were to say any of the following statements, would Substack take issue with that? Like, would they shadow ban me, demonetize me, ban me in any way, shape or form? Would there be negative consequences? And those statements were things like trans women are not women. The COVID-19 vaccine was engineered in a lab in China and funded in part by Anthony Fauci. The 2020 election was fraudulent and stolen by Joe Biden, right? Statements and I gave them a list of, of statements just like that. I can't remember how many there were. And they're, they're the kind of things that I know many people have been banned from Twitter, YouTube, Patreon, and other places simply for uttering things kind of like that. And so I asked them directly, what, what, what about these statements? And I got to hand it to Substack. They didn't shy away from answering it. They took it head on. And um, uh, in one case, uh, one of their marketing people sent me a bunch of links to past articles written by Substack founders about their ideas around moderation and censorship, which left me with even more questions. So I talked with more people. And what I eventually came away from is this. Substack is by and large a pretty liberal company, right? But they are a bit more classically liberal, right? They believe very much in free speech and free expression. And I think they very rightly worry that if you start down the road of censoring people for, say, 
um, saying something like uh, the COVID vaccine is ineffective and doesn't prevent COVID, right? There was a period of time where you get banned instantly off Facebook, Twitter, all sorts of places just for saying those words, even YouTube, but not on Substack. Substack's been a haven for people being able to talk about these topics. And they feel like once you start censoring people for saying something like that, or saying the 2020 election was rigged, or saying that that a man who was born a man cannot suddenly become a woman because he feels like it, right? If you stop people from saying these things, what happens a couple years from now when the goalposts all change? When what is okay to say or not okay to say changes again, and it will. And so Substack, I think, rightly fears that. And so they err on the side of, let's just not censor. And instead, what they seem to be trying to do is promote the idea that they're going to build features that allow individual readers and writers to carefully cultivate what they see or who sees it. So if you don't want to be reading about uh, how the 2020 election was clearly stolen by Joe Biden, you don't have to. You can block those people. You can mute those people. In theory, they're going to come up with some key words you could filter on. Things like that. But the system itself would not silence people. And I like that. I like that approach. I like the idea that you put more moderation tools in the hands of the users to moderate what they see. But they don't moderate what anyone else sees. Right. So I can say I really, really don't want to see any more of uh, Orange Man bad. I I have had enough articles telling me how Orange Man is bad. I don't want to see those articles anymore. I'm bored of them. They're annoying. They clog up my feed. I don't need it. Okay, great. I can block them. I can mute them. But there's no rating of downvoting, upvoting, etc. I just don't. I just don't see them myself anymore. And that does not impact other people seeing them, right? Doesn't have any impact on that at all. I like that. I like that. That to me is reasonable. And so I got to hand it to the the Substack crew. They're a bit on the liberal side, but in, in the good way, you know what I mean? Like they're, they're pro freedom of speech, pro free expression and pro the written word. Cause that was a, that was a concern of mine. Cause I've been, I've been suspended off of Twitter I've been shadow banned uh, and demonetized on YouTube, though that was because I said bad things about Google and also because I used the word Linux too much. That's a serious thing. They actually demonetized videos for over a year that used the word Linux in the title. They instantly demonetized them. It was ridiculous. So, I mean, I've, I've been at the receiving end of a lot of different rounds of censorship and I just didn't want any more. Going forward, I would like to have a certain level of comfort in the platforms that I use. Now, I, now I, I use locals for a lot of my publications, and that works. I know I can feel somewhat confident in locals and Rumble as publishing platforms. But I wanted to know, could I feel that way about Substack? And you know what? I think I can. 
I'm impressed. I'm impressed with how they're approaching it. Um, now, that's not to say that they won't change sometime in the future. Uh, really, anyone could. Uh, but right now, their, and so far, their approach at Substack has been pretty good. And I do have a certain level of confidence that they won't change too much because some of their biggest publications on Substack are very, um, let's just say controversial. They're the kind of Substacks and kind of publications that whether you like them or hate them, there's, there's groups of people gunning for them, right? Uh, Alex Berenstein on the COVID vaccine stuff. Uh, Dr. Merkula is over on Substack, which, uh, there's always people, uh, coming for that guy. Uh, and, and a bunch of other, uh, Glenn Greenwald's been on Substack a lot and they haven't taken any action against him. Um, a lot of different voices, both liberal and conservative, and uh, on on all sides of a lot of issues. Abigail Schreier is over on Substack, and she's been kind of one of the leading voices speaking out against the hysteria of all the trans ideology stuff and about how damaging it is. And she has not been censored there to the best of my knowledge. And so some of the, the favorite things that the left likes to censor for have been allowed and not harmed and not silenced in any way on Substack. So Substack, Locals, Rumble, I, I feel like I can feel a certain level of confidence. Twitter is heading that way, but right now I, I, I just, I, I still feel some, it's too recent. You know what I mean? The, the problems with Twitter are so recent, it's hard to believe that they're not going to go down that road. That said, if suddenly next week we wake up and, and Tucker Carlson and a bunch of other leading conservative voices have subscription channels on Twitter where they're publishing that stuff, well, now we're at a point where not only is Elon Musk running Twitter, with a, with a with a, a focus on on free expression and free speech, but a huge portion of their regular revenue now is going to be coming through conservative voices, which means that they're far less likely to take action against conservative voices, and that's that would be a pretty good thing. So it kind of remains to be seen. I'm constantly evaluating these sorts of things to make sure that I have. Uh, the best possible platforms for publishing the type of things that I do. Now, a lot of people, a lot of people have suggested to me that I self-publish. And I love the idea of self-publishing the work that I do, whether it's written articles, podcasts, videos, books, anything. Uh, self-publishing is the best if, if it can be done. Unfortunately, if you publish in multiple mediums right now and need a subscription service going and, and some sort of monetization avenue going, it doesn't work so well. Uh, th there are some systems, some open source systems out there that kind of emulate some of the features of Substack or some of the features of some of the social networks you can use like you can use like a combination of uh, some of the Substack clones plus Mastodon for providing some social media um, plus uh, LibrePay and, and a few other things to get some of the features together but it's a huge amount of work, a huge mammoth amount of work. There's tons of problems, not least of which is, you know, uh, 
spam blocking of emails and all sorts of other issues where where uh, people will report websites and domains to a lot of the uh, the filtering companies that provide companies with little filters that say you know this website or that website is not safe for work. Yeah. Uh, people did that with, with my lunduke.com domain a whole bunch. And because I'm just one guy, it was very difficult to get removed from a lot of those lists. Whereas if you go to a service like a Substack, a Locals, a Rumble, etc., they kind of take care of that. They stay on top of that and they make sure that your sites are more likely to get through and, and be visible to more people. Uh, plus the payment processing and plus just all the features that I can get uh, I can I can embed PDF files and and all sorts of different types of archives, comic book archives, um, you know, videos, all sorts of things through Substack, locals, and whatnot. And getting that done through self-hosted solutions is a is a mild nightmare, especially at the at a larger scale like I have to deal with. Uh, so if, unfortunately, right now, self-hosting is not doable. It's just not doable. It, it would require me having a team of of 10 people working round the clock uh, to make it work. And uh, even though, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing some good success with the Lunduke Journal, we're not hire 10 people successful here. And so that's just not it's just not doable. And so these other platforms, these uh, uh, the existing platforms out there, the uh, the the Twitters and the locals and the Rumbles and the Substacks and everything, they're vital for getting the conservative voice out there right now. And what I would say to people is, if you are looking at publishing, whether it's a whether it's a series of articles and blog posts, a newsletter, podcast, videos, whatever. I, I I would personally look at all the ones we talked about today uh, because they do have some good quality features and and they do have some good track records for not censoring and even promoting conservative voices. And that's a that's a good thing. I would steer stay, steer clear of Patreon um, like like the plague. Uh, they do not. They they have a bad history of supporting their their creators in general, um, but uh, they do not like the conservative ones. Uh, so stay clear of the Patreon. I just I wouldn't I wouldn't touch them with a ten foot pole if I were you. Uh, it's it's just it's just not worth the headache. <laughs> but Substack, Locals, Rumble, and heck, maybe maybe Twitter going forward. We'll see. We'll see. I jury's still out on that one. They all have viability there. All right. I, there you go. I hope, hope that was, that was at least somewhat helpful for all of you. I think the more conservatives are publishing and the more conservatives that are subscribing on all of these different platforms, the more likely it is that those, those voices, those conservative voices will not be silenced or censored on those platforms. Because at the end of the day, it's all about money and it's all about being profitable. So like I said, whatever, whatever platform Tucker goes to, if he ends up on one of these big platforms like Rumble or Twitter or Locals, that platform is going to explode. All of a sudden, uh, you know, two million conservatives will will flock to that platform, and uh, uh, shoot, that that platform is just going to be going to be huge. It's going to be huge wherever it is. Uh, so I'm going to be following that very, very closely. All right. With that, I do declare end podcast.